welcome to the first in a new series of podcasts from the Leaders Performance Institute and our partners Kaiser. My name's Sarah Jahangir and over the next few months you'll hear from human performance experts from around the world discussing best practice, the role of technology and what the future of training and rehabilitation might look like. In this first episode, Leaders Performance Institute editor John Porch sat down with Jimmy Pritchard. Jimmy is Director of Strength and Conditioning at the Ski and Snowboard Club, Vail. The club recently became affiliated with US Ski and Snowboard and has hosted athletes including Lindsay Vaughn, Michaela Schriffen, as well as the Pittsburgh Penguins. In Vail, Jimmy works out of the nearby Mintan Fitness Centre, which is full of Kaiser equipment. Coming up, you'll hear Jimmy discuss the energy systems of winter sport athletes, the importance of training age, and the use of language during training sessions. Enjoy the conversation. Jimmy Pritchard, Director of Strength and Conditioning at the Ski and Snowboard Club in Vail, Colorado. Thank you so much for agreeing to be the first guest on the Kaiser Series podcast in conjunction with the Leaders Performance Institute. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. I'm happy to be aboard, man. Thanks for having me today. Well, thank you. And Jimmy, perhaps we can start by setting the scene. I imagine if you look out the window, there's alpine forests there, snow-capped mountains. Is that too far from the truth? Um, yeah, so actually we're located um, right outside of Vail, Colorado here, our gym, and um, we're right next to the Vail Ski and Snowboard Academy where all the athletes attend school, and it is, it's right in the middle of basically the, the mountains. I mean, Vail, the ski resort's just about a nice little two-mile, uh, three-mile drive away from us, and then um, we're, our gym's located right here with the Alpine forest and everything. So we take our athletes out for trail runs in the summer and stuff like that. So your, your imaginations is pretty accurate. Wow. It sounds really beautiful. I'd really love to see it with my own eyes. Unfortunately, all I can offer you in return are the urban landscapes of London. Although some say they have a charm of their own. Yeah. I mean, you know, they all have their perks. I'd definitely like to come visit that place sometime, but we've got to get you out here for, to check this place out sometime. I would love to take you up on that invitation one day. Jimmy, are you an avid winter sports fan? I am, yes. Um, I mean, especially alpine skiing. Um, just absolutely love it, you know, and watch everything in the Olympics and then the World Cup races throughout the year. And then I'm starting to get a little bit more into different things like um, hockey now as I train some of those athletes. We're starting to work with a lot more hockey players here and stuff. And that's something I've watched in the past, but I'm really starting to take a deeper dive into as well. Well, it sounds like you're in your dream job, really. It's it's a pretty good gig, I can't lie. Perhaps you can tell me a little bit about the Minturn Fitness Center. I mean, what would a visitor see upon walking through the doors in terms of layout and equipment? Mm, yeah, great question. So the <clears throat> Minturn Fitness Center, as soon as you walk in, um, we have all of our Kaiser equipment um, kind of evenly distributed throughout the floor. So we have a few um, functional trainers right in the front there. Um, and then we have all of our Kaiser bikes to the left with uh, a few screens up there as kind of like a somewhat of a hybrid studio cycling spot, I guess you could say, where we have some um, classes that go on. And then uh, as you kind of walk a little bit further down, then we have one of the Kaiser performance trainers next to all of our dumbbell racks and everything like that. And then um, our whole kind of Olympic lifting area, the squat racks um, are equipped with all the 
pneumatic Kaiser equipment as well, where we can use the uh, the gravity bars, and I believe those are what they're called. <laughs> um, so we have that, and then um, the whole gym is uh, nice. We have tons of windows in there where we have uh, kind of garage doors on the left-hand side as you walk in that we can open up, which is really nice when the weather is nice, permitting in the summer and the fall um, to let some fresh air in, and um, it's kind of a nice atmosphere. And then we have a very nice kind of yoga studio as well. Um, down the hallway with some nice wood floors and all kinds of neat stuff. I mean, we've, we've got, uh, you know, VO2 max, uh, testing spots. We've got tons of different lactate threshold kits sitting around. So you name it, we, we've got everything around here. It's no surprise in that you're attracting some of the best athletes in winter sports. Jimmy, perhaps you could talk about some of the teams and athletes who have passed through your doors in recent times and what exactly it is that keeps bringing them back. Um, you know, so we we uh, actually also just got our affiliation with U.S. Ski and Snowboard. So we've been working with a lot of their athletes for a long time, you know, most notably athletes like Lindsey Vaughn. Um, Michaela Schifrin is here all the time. Um, we have different high-level downhill skiers like Alice McKinnis, who I work with um, quite frequently. Um, so those are a lot of kind of the alpine skiers. Um one of our own who goes to the school right across the street over here, Tess Johnson, she was in the Olympics this uh, past year for moguls. Um, so she goes, she's a frequent visitor here as well. And then, you know, we get, we get a few different uh, athletes from a few different sports here. Uh, every year we have kind of a little, um, I don't want to say camp, but just kind of a little training week where the Pittsburgh Penguins coach stops by and a few of those guys are in here and Sidney Crosby makes a few visits. So, um, those are just, a, those are just a few. And I think what makes the, uh, location so desirable is, is exactly that is the, the location, um, and how you unique the facility is. I mean, you, you can't find any other gym that has the fantastic kind of Kaiser equipment that we have, the, the amount of coaches that we have that have specialties in different areas. And then, you know, it's just a, it's a great area to be up here because it's nice and quiet and it's kind of a, hidden gem I guess you could say. So we know what attracts the athletes but what attracted you Jimmy? I mean you've already described your role as a dream job. So originally I came uh, here I, I grew, grew up very close to here um, so I've been in Colorado for quite some time and um, I moved back here after I graduated um, college and uh, I was doing just some private personal training around the area and um, was really enjoying it and then um, John um, my boss JC he you know, reached out to me with the opportunity to step in as a, an assistant strength coach here. And um, I <laughs> couldn't pass up the opportunity. So um, with, you know, with uh, some some hard work and some uh, pretty fortunate circumstances, I kind of climbed my way up the ladder. And um, I'm here as director of strength conditioning. And I, I'm extremely happy with it. I, I absolutely love it. And um, staying here just because I love the love the atmosphere, love what I am able to do with the athletes. Um, and it's, it's very unique in the aspect that I can train the athletes, um, in the afternoon and that morning I was out there on the hill with them up at Vail watching them train. So I get the entire scope of things to say. You talk about scope there and I'm sure it differs from team to team and athlete to athlete, but what does a typical work week look like for you? How much time do you get to spend with the athletes and how long do they tend to stay in town? Um, so the athletes will pretty much be here. Uh, it, it varies. Yeah. Like you said, quite free, quite a bit, um, season to season, especially, but, 
Um, so like say right now they're in season, um, I will have athletes. Typically I'll see like my men's and women's Alpine teams. I'll see them about three times a week. Um, maybe like Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, and then they'll travel maybe a little bit more on the weekends for some races. So I'll see them for about an hour on those days. Um, and we'll hit a good strength training session and then maybe a little bit of, uh, just kind of mobility work, some kind of, uh, remedial work that they need to do. And then maybe I'll have another group that comes in right after them, like moguls and hockey before that. So that's kind of what it looks like right now versus the summer. I'm working with them upwards of four or five times a week and we'll spend three hour blocks together where we do, you know, a resistance training session followed by a energy system session outside where we do an hour trail run, tempo work, something like that. Um, so that's kind of the typical uh, workload I have. I have a lot of other responsibilities here too. We have quite a quite a nice internship program that we run here. And so I'm always um, running through that kind of stuff with the interns and bouncing ideas back and forth with them. And then um, trying to just conduct a, a lot of research as well. As like I mentioned before, we just uh, partnered with US Ski and Snowboard. And so just looking at different, um, different things that we've got going on with that, uh, testing for, uh, athletes with force plates, all that kind of stuff. So that's uh, in a nutshell, I guess, what it looks like for me. So you really are both inside and outside on a daily basis. Yes. And, and that's one part I, you know, kind of forgot to mention as well as, uh, you know, I, I try to get out at least once a week, most of the time, twice a week, I'll go out on the hill with the athletes as well, um, where they're training usually right there at Gold Peak and Vail. I'll get out there with them for, you know, an hour and a half, two hours, watching them train, whether they're training slalom or GS that day. And I'll kind of lend a hand to the coaches and carry some jackets and set up some gates if I can, and kind of just, uh, be a learner at that point. You mentioned your intern scheme, and of course, you were an intern yourself back in the day, working in sports such as football, basketball, and lacrosse. But what did those experiences teach you that you just simply couldn't learn from your degree alone? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, um, it, that was actually, yeah, that was at Colorado Mason University. I was an intern for those guys, and um, I, learned, I learned a lot um, just based on different sport profiles. Every athlete's definitely unique in their... Um, needs for a different sport, all that kind of thing. Um, so that taught me a lot just based on the textbook will teach you how do you increase strength or how do you increase power, for example, but how do you increase that in a mode that's acceptable for a golfer, say, versus someone who does wrestling. Um, so it gets very different for those athletes. Um, you're always trying to make a better athlete, no matter what the sport is, but then you're trying to kind of tailor it, especially to um, each individual and their individual needs. You mentioned some non-winter sports there. How did the demands change in terms of strength and conditioning for winter sport athletes? What are some of the differences you tend to find? Hmm. Yeah, that's a great question as well. So I would say with winter sport, um, especially like the alpine skiing world and everything we've got going on here, um, the energy system use um, is virtually, you know, you use every energy system when you're playing that sport versus, uh, you know, something like football where they, you know, they might not uh, dive as deep into the aerobic system as we do with some of our athletes here. So um, for the equipment here, we will use, you know, a lot more uh, maybe like VO2 max testing and different equipment like that that we use with those athletes versus with a football player. We were uh, definitely using just a lot more standard um, barbell equipment and uh, a little bit more things like that and loading them up with some weights like 
kind of West Side style, I get West Side barbell style, I guess you could say, with uh, chains and bands and all those kinds of things. So it gets very, uh, very unique, I guess, in an aspect. And the winter sports have their own their own needs, um, I guess you could say as well. And what is the process for putting together a plan for an athlete? How many people are involved in those discussions and how does it come together? Great question. Yeah. Um, so pretty much when I program for an athlete, you know, you're always doing that needs analysis right off the bat for them. Um, I always like to look at the athlete's training age first and foremost, because I feel like if you look at their chronological age, um, that's just a terrible way of looking at it. I have a 13 year old right now who I'm training, um, as that's a hockey player that's more advanced than any of the 16 or 17 year olds in just his movement competency. So I look at the training age. Um, I look at the athletes, kind of their weaknesses and their strong suits, um, their previous injury, um, history, their sport profile, and then their goals. Um, so as far as kind of consultation, I talk to obviously the athlete, I talk to, uh, their sport coach typically, and then I'll even talk to, um, as far as maybe some medical professionals, if they, um, are working with them to, um, in a rehabilitation sense. So, um, it's kind of this nice, uh, circle of people that I like to talk to and really get a feel for where that individual athlete's at. So from what sort of age will you start working with these young athletes? The youngest athletes that we'll have actually in the Mintern Fitness Center doing um, sessions is about 14 years old. Um, but we that's not to say that we don't work with the younger athletes. We'll still do movement sessions um, where we're emphasizing proper um, jumping, landing, sprinting mechanics with those athletes. We'll go out and we'll do um, maybe some field sessions with them. We'll do some different circuits with them, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, that starts as early as kind of like the age of nine to 10 here with those athletes. But like I said, uh, age right around 14 is when they start coming into the Mintern Fitness Center and doing some um, strength training sessions with me. Right. So you really do get to meet a whole range of different athletes and different people at different stages of their lives and careers. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's it's, uh, pretty crazy to watch an athlete go from a 12-year-old in our program to a an 18 year old graduating high school and um, going to ski collegiately (laughs) it's pretty wild back to the conversation in a moment but first a quick word about kaiser for nearly four decades kaiser has influenced the training of athletes fitness enthusiasts and rehabilitation experts worldwide with better fitness products that unite both components of human performance, the force you produce and the speed at which you produce it. More than 80% of the top professional sports teams in the world now train on Kaiser machines, including every baseball team in the major leagues, the soccer champions of nine countries, several American football champions and countless Olympians. They're joined by everyone from NASA to Navy SEALs, medical experts and rehabilitation specialists at major gyms like LA Fitness. We're delighted to have them as a partner at the Leaders Performance Institute. And for more information, please visit kaiser.com. And now, back to the Kaiser Human Performance Series. You obviously have a very well-appointed gym. Mm-hmm. But what about your use of language? How do you make sure that they know exactly what you're asking of them? Mm, yeah, that's also a great question. And um, I am, I'm huge, huge, huge on external cueing with athletes. And 
one of my uh, biggest influencers in the strength conditioning world is Nick Winkleman. And um, I've read a lot of his uh, literature and studied a lot of his uh, terminology. And he always talks about external cueing and being able to appeal to um, each individual athlete um, in their own way. So, you know, you have to be able to get that point across to one athlete, maybe in a fashion that another athlete might not understand. So the external cueing is huge and getting away from just always coaching in an internal manner um, is absolutely huge. And then also being able to appeal to athletes um, visually. So good demonstrations of exercises is another way. Um, and then as far as kind of going on to the other end of things, um, just creating buy-in also with athletes really helps um, explaining how the benefits um, of some of these movements or exercises that we're doing help them in their particular sport and uh, reach their goals. It's very interesting to hear you describe internal and external cues. What is the difference, Jimmy? And can you give me some examples? Mm, yeah, absolutely. So a great one that I always like to use, and uh, definitely I've borrowed this one from Mick Winkleman, is um, say that you're doing like a exercise with a mini band around your ankles and you're wanting to do a forward monster walk, I'd say. The exercise is called probably a few different things, but it's basically just in a nice athletic stance, um, stepping forward one foot at a time. But you've got that band around your ankles and um, an internal cue might uh, be that uh, make sure that you are keeping your knees in alignment with your toes versus saying an external cue where we're saying, I want you to imagine that you're walking on train tracks and keeping your feet out wide. So that athlete has an external cue now where they're thinking outside of their own body, keeping their feet on, you know, invisible train tracks, you could say. And it, it really helps those athletes because then they're kind of taking their mind. Um, they're getting out of their own way. I like to say, and they're kind of letting their body do the work naturally that they are meant to do. So um, that's a, a rudimentary explanation of uh, internal versus external cueing. And is it fair to say it's less about good technique and more about making them a better skier or a better hockey player or a better snowboarder? Mm, you know, I would say uh, technique is always going to be number one just because we want to always instill um, – proper movement patterns in athletes and make them a better athlete because my job in here is to um, reduce injury risk with athletes, increase uh, movement competency and strength and power in those athletes. So I don't ever want to get too carried away where I'm starting to kind of turn myself into a sport coach and think that I'm um, the biggest influencer on what's going to make them a better skier or hockey player, or snowboarder or whatever. I'm definitely that's one of my goals for sure. But I think um, I have to drive home the point of I'm making them a better athlete and a better mover, um, first and foremost, and keeping them safe and healthy. Absolutely. And what about the coaches? Do you have much engagement with the coaches as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The uh, coaches and myself, uh, we're, we talk daily. Um, a lot of the coaches come in for the um, training sessions as well. Um, they'll stand by and some of the ones that are even um, a little bit more uh, educated, I guess you could say, and strength conditioning might even lend a hand with just um, kind of reiterating some of the points that I am emphasizing to athletes because we have pretty large numbers at times and um, just helping keep form, check on athlete and athletes and doing that kind of stuff. And then, um, you know, I obviously, like I mentioned earlier, I go out to the actual um, sport practicing environment. And so I'll 
um, meet with the coaches then. And then we set just, you know, weekly meetings just to make sure that we're all on the same page and um, seeing the same things within the athletes. Jimmy, I was wondering if we could wrap things up with a few quick fire questions. Absolutely. Go ahead. So the first one is, what's the biggest lesson you've had in strength and conditioning? Biggest lesson I've had in strength and conditioning. Hmm. I would say one of the biggest lessons I've had in strength and conditioning. That's a tough one right off the spot. There's, I've learned so much. Uh, I would say that in strength and conditioning, um, there is, oh, there's, a, there's, ne- you don't have necessarily always as much control as you think you do, and you need to be flexible. So what I mean by that is, um, there's a lot of external factors out there that play into. Um, your programming, whether it be um, school stress for an athlete or relationship stress or um, improper nutrition, anything like that, or uh, an acute injury or chronic injury that happens because you can write up the best plan in the world, um, but sometimes that athlete has something go wrong and you've got to be flexible uh, to adjust kind of on the fly. So I think one of my biggest lessons I've learned is just uh, being adaptable and being flexible in nearly every situation and making the best out of any situation that you have. And what's the best advice you've ever been given by a peer or a mentor? Um, I would say one of the best pieces of advice I've had by a peer or mentor is to obviously never, never stop learning and educating yourself and to um, track everything and to trust the process. And that was, I know that's kind of three answers in one, but that's, been the biggest key for me to uh, see any success with my athletes or anything that I'm doing and just kind of understanding how things work because I feel like too many strength coaches out there, especially younger ones, they will read a new column or new article or research paper and then try to implement something right away and totally throw out the plan that they already had and they're not trusting the process. And even if you um, maybe fail at something, you have to go through that to learn Um, exactly what happened and why. And then also, like I mentioned um, just a second ago, is tracking things because you want to be able to track how something affected um, one athlete or a team or whoever you're working with and why that happened. So measuring everything that you're doing, um, sticking with the process, and then obviously never never, uh, stop learning because there's always more to keep learning. I bet you wish you knew that when you were younger and just starting out. Oh my goodness, yeah, I would have saved That would have saved me a lot of a lot of headaches. And what do you feel will be the greatest challenge you'll face in the next twelve months? One of the greatest challenges I'll face in the next twelve months, I would say, is I would say that it would probably be um, ensuring that that the athletes are all. Um, following every single or not every single but following um the programming that we've set forth for them through their um, traveling schedules and everything because what what ends up happening in the winter sport world here especially with these youth athletes that we have is they they go uh to like new zealand they go to chile they go to all these places um austria to go ski through the summer and fall and um i hit i have these tiny little blocks to work with them. And um, then I send them with travel programs, but then, you know, it turns back into that thing I was talking about earlier, being flexible and um, adaptable in situations where they might not have the training facilities that we have here to do things. So 
I would say that's one of the biggest challenges in, um, that I'll face in the next 12 months is um, implementing programming that um, is as effective as I would like it to be through every situation. And finally, in the same time frame, what do you feel will be your biggest opportunity? I think the greatest opportunity that we're going to have within the next year is to see the growth of some of our younger athletes transitioning into what's called our FIS athletes, kind of that 16 to 17 year old age, because um, they have, some of the younger athletes have finally fallen, followed through with um, some programming that we've had and um, really been committed to um, kind of the foundation programming. Whereas um, in years past, it just, it just wasn't there or, or um, it wasn't offered quite as much to them. So I'm excited to see um, their growth because their training age, as I mentioned earlier, again, is already that of some of the older athletes, but now they're becoming more physically mature where they're going to be able to start doing a lot more. So I'm kind of just really excited to see um, more of these younger athletes that have been following along with some of the programming for a, a longer time and excited to see their growth well it certainly sounds like exciting times jimmy thank you so much for being the first guest on the kaiser series podcast absolutely anytime thanks so much for having me on and like i said we'll definitely need to get you out here sometime <laughs> absolutely you can count on it <laughs> all right sounds good thanks again